Our Bible reading this morning is taken from Psalm 37. I'm going to read together the first 11 verses. And for those who are online, we encourage you not only to listen, but get a copy of the Bible, turn to the place, and not only hear the reading, but see the words of the book. The scripture says, blessed is he that readeth. And we, of course, want to give careful attention to the reading of the word of God. Let's hear God's word. Psalm 37, verse 1. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgments as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, to do evil for evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, my text this morning is taken from Psalm 37, verse 5. It reads as follows. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And I want to attempt to preach this morning on the subject that I've entitled, The Power of True Commitment, or Living by Commitment. Now, the word commit is used 170 times in the authorized version. The first mention is in Genesis 39, verse 8, where Joseph, the character we've been speaking to the children about, he told Potiphar's wife, Behold, my master would have not what is with me in the house, and hath committed all that he hath into my hand. The last reference to the word commit in the Bible is Revelation 18 and 9. It says, And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived delicately with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. And that's a reference to the downfall of Babylon. Now, in between, there's many familiar verses that use the word commit. For example, John 2, 24, But Jesus did not commit himself unto them, because he knew all men. John 5, 22, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. 
John 8 and 34, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of the sin. We think of the Lord Jesus on the cross. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Quoting from Psalm 31 verse 5. You're familiar with the words, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Exodus 20 verse 14. And in fact, that's the only reference in the whole book of Exodus to the word commit. Perhaps the most familiar, the one that's well known, the one that's quoted, and the one that's loved by God's people is found here in Psalm 37 verse 5. Listen to these words again. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Now, I've been praying this week. Lord, give me a message. We're preaching miscellaneously, remember. Lord, I, I want a word for this Lord's day. I was waiting. I was wondering. And as I waited before the Lord, there was one word come into my mind. And I wrote it down. I picked the first pen that I could. It was a big, bold, uh, black pen. And I wrote it down in one page, using the black marker. And this was the word. Commitment. Now, I discovered... As I began to research the subject that the late pastor Willie Mullen, after shortly being converted to Christ, he was working in a garden centre in Newtonard, somewhere here in Northern Ireland. Um, there was a man, possibly an elder from one of the uh, local Baptist churches there. He saw some potential in this uh, young convert. Uh, and he asked him if he would like to come and preach at the local mission hall. Uh, and he said, look, son, I want you to think about it. I want you to pray about it. And if the Lord gives you a word, let me know, and I'll see you next week. Now, Willie Mullen at that stage had never preached before in his life. He had never even given his testimony publicly. And he said to the man as the man left, I'll not do so unless the Lord gives me a word. Now, that's tremendous. And as he prayed and asked the Lord for help and waited the Lord gave him his first message. And do you know what his first message was that he ever preached in a mission hall? It was this. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Now that's significant. Because here the Lord is setting forth certain steps for the true believer to live a life of practical joy and victory. And through the psalmist, inspired by the Spirit, he wants God's people to remember the control of the Lord. Look at the words. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. It's repeated throughout the opening part of the psalm. Fret not. Why? Because the Lord's in control. Don't be envious of the wicked. Don't be discouraged. And, 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 and don't be perplexed when things happen that you don't understand. And you see the prosperity and power of the wicked. Remember, God is sovereign. Remember, God's on the throne. God's in absolute control. Look at verse 3. Trust in the Lord. There's confidence in the Lord. Look at verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord. There's cheerfulness in the Lord. God's people wants his people to be glad in the Lord, not sad. Hi, Remember, we read in the New Testament, then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord, seeing the Lord by faith, seeing something of his person and work, seeing something of his power and his glory, and being blown away with it. Not only did the psalmist want us to think about these steps, 
steps for a life of joy and victory. The Lord's in control. Have confidence in him. Being cheerful in him. But notice verse 5. Commitment to the Lord. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him. And he shall bring it to pass. So that's what I was thinking about. And I wrote it down. Commitment. And there were three simple thoughts came to my mind. Here's the first one. The challenge of commitment. You see, as I looked at that word with bold black uh, pen on the page, I recall the late Dr. Ian Paisley saying in my presence, but not only to me, but also to other ministers, we were asking him what's the great problems that we're facing today in the local church. And he said one of the great problems we face today in the local church and the Church of Jesus Christ in Northern Ireland in general, of course it applies to the United Kingdom, is the C word. So we're all waiting. The C word? Reference to cursing? No, wasn't it? Oh, a reference to complaining? There's always somebody complaining. No, it wasn't complaining. Oh, it's maybe a reference to cancer, for there's a lot of cancer patients in Northern Ireland that need our support and prayers at this time. That's a big problem, isn't it? No, it wasn't cursing, not complaining, not cancer. The C word is a reference to commitment. And I can recall the Lord's servant saying, there's a real lack of true and total commitment today in relation to the Lord and relation to his work. How easily people quit. Stop coming to the fellowship of God's people in the Lord's day. Stop meeting with their friends. Stop seeing family. Cutting themselves off. Do you know there's even people today quitting the faith? If we compare scripture with scripture, 2 Timothy 3 and 1, perilous times shall come. What are they like? Well, one of the signs is this. 1 Timothy 4 and 1. The Spirit speaketh expressly. That's the Holy Ghost is speaking. And what is he saying? In the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. What has happened? They've got a problem with commitment. The word commitment is synonymous with the word dedication. It means being dedicated to a cause. So I asked her, are you dedicated to Jesus Christ and his cause on earth at this time? It also means to entrust something valuable to another person. And as you entrust something valuable to another person, it entails and includes a personal responsibility to practice Specific activities and possess a specific attitude. You see, commitment involves your heart. You've heard me quoting in prayer, Colossians 3, 23. Whatsoever you do, do heartily as unto the Lord and not unto man. It's all about You making a decision as well as having the desire that you want to do this. And if you want to do it, your heart's engaged in it. Now, sadly today, many have no desire to be committed or connected to Jesus Christ and his cause. 
And because they don't want Christ, therefore they don't want to be committed to a fellowship of Christ's people or to be a part of the church family or to have uh, any profession of faith in Christ as Lord and Savior. And I want to tell you, that's a big problem. I believe that there is a chronic lack of commitment among many professing Christians at this time. And we have a right to ask this question, where are the genuine, totally committed believers to Christ and his cause and his church? Now, for those who are here every Lord's Day and who support the work practically and prayerfully and present themselves morning and evening, health permitting and excluding the holiday time, and willing to do anything that they can to help the work of God, I want to say in the Lord's name, thank you today. We need that support, and we appreciate that support. And for those who are totally committed to that, I want to also say, sadly, you're among so few. Because, you see, many today are Christians in name only, they have an outward profession. But the question has to be answered, do they truly possess Christ as Lord and Savior? You see, I believe if the true life of God is within you, you will want to live for the Lord. And your heart will respond to that in a very positive way. And one thing that you will do, besides recognizing as you walk in step with the Lord, a life of joy, power, and victory, you'll recognize, yes, the Lord's in absolute sovereign control. And you've got confidence in him, and you're willing to trust him in every situation. And you are cheerful before him. You do delight yourself in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Here's another step that you will take. Another thing that you will do is commit your way unto him. So, so let me press it home now. To all who are listening, young and old alike, but especially the young people, how committed are we to Christ? I was listening a few days ago to um, a preacher in uh, California, and he was addressing the young people, and he was encouraging young people in his church to show conviction. Let us hear what you believe and why you believe it. He was also encouraging them to be critical thinkers in today's generation, addressing university students in particular. And he was saying these are two essential things that young people need. But I was thinking as I listened to Brother MacArthur, it was this, we need a third thing, Lord, and it was commitment. Commitment to Christ, to his word, to his way, to his will commit ourselves to wait in him for all the help and strength and grace that we need. And I want to tell you, that impacts our time. That impacts our talent. That impacts our, our treasure. Because if we're truly seed, we'll say, well, all that we have is the Lord's. And while we give him a portion, we're willing to give him it all. It impacts our trust in him. So here's the challenge of true commitment. Notice something else, secondly and quickly. The character of true commitment. Now listen to me carefully. The word commit, what does that actually mean? 
Well, in the margin of the authorized version, it means to roll. Here's something you have to do. Here's the main activity that you as an individual believer will engage in. Now, what does it mean to roll your ways unto the Lord? You think of a big stone. And we want to move the stone from one place to another. You're committing the stone to this new place, to this new position. So I want you to think of somebody carrying a heavy burden. And they're transferring or they're rolling that burden from themselves to another individual. And if you look at the text, it says commit or think of the word to roll thy way unto the Lord. Thy way speaks of a journey, speaks of being on the path of life. And in the path of life, there are many difficulties, many burdens. And maybe you're here listening to me right now and even on the internet and you're loaded with the cares of this life. And what do you do with those cares and burdens? Well, here's the advice of the psalmist. You roll that burden unto the Lord. And as I've said, maybe you're listening to me right now or maybe you're here in the house of God this morning and you're carrying a heavy burden in your heart and the Lord knows what's in your heart. It's unseen by others. Maybe you're carrying the burden of sorrow. Death has come into a home. Your home's not the same. Maybe mummy has been taken. Daddy. Perhaps it's a son or a daughter. And your heart's broken. You see, the Lord knows what's in your heart. He sees the grief. He sees the tears. He sees the heartache. And you're thinking, how can I go on? Preacher, tell me what I can do. And here's the answer. Roll that burden of sorrow unto the Lord. Maybe it's the burden of sickness. Nobody else knows what you're going through. You're sick in the morning, the afternoon, sick at night time. You can't find much relief through the medication. You've been to the doctors, you've been to the hospital, you've had operations, but you're still struggling with that sickness. And that's a heavy burden. And what do you do with that? Well, you, you roll it unto the Lord by faith. Maybe it's the burden of a situation. Maybe you're here this morning and you've got family problems. There's been a breakdown. There's tears, there's strife, there's despair. Maybe the situation's bad and you feel, I can't get over this. I have been hurt. And, and it's, it's driving me down. It's tearing me apart. My spark is gone in my Christian life. How could I be joyful? How could I be happy? How could I be praying? Maybe you've lost a job. Speaking to a lady this week in the doors and she told me with tears running down her face that her contract will not be renewed for her education job. She's been let go. You imagine hearing that sort of news. Or maybe you're worried about finance. Or, or maybe mommy and daddy, your biggest burden is your family members are not saved. And you watch them. And you look at their ungodly lifestyle. And it's hard for you to cope because you feel, but they're leaving God out. And they're living without him. And they're forgetting that they're accountable to him and dependent on him. And they'll be taken from this scene of time, any moment of time, and you're broken. Are you broken this morning by sorrow, by sickness, by a situation? What can you do? 
How can you cope? Well, here's what the psalmist said to do. Here's what the Holy Spirit says. Are you listening this morning? Commit thy way unto the Lord. If you turn over there to Psalm 55 and look with me at verse 22, it reinforces this in an amazing way. It says, cast thy burden on the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Cast thy burden on the Lord. You see, one of the challenges we face in the character of commitment, the true character of commitment, is by the grace of God, we bring every burden, all our sorrows, every sickness, every situation, every detail of our lives, and we bring it and we roll it unto the Lord. Here's the person we're to bring it to. It's the Lord himself. It's as if the Lord says to us children, give it to me. You see, he wants us not only to rehearse our sorrows and our sicknesses and our situations before him in prayer, and that's a privilege, what a privilege to carry everything to him in prayer. But the Lord wants us to go a step further. He wants us to release it to him. If you have a stone in your hand and you're wanting to play a game called skimming or you have a rock in your hand and it's heavy, you'll want to, you'll want to throw it down or you'll want to skim that stone in the water. Well, you've got to let it go. Don't keep holding on to it. The Lord comes and says, hand it over. Hi. By my grace and my help. See, it's important to remember the power of prayer. It's important to remember to tell it to the Lord. It's important to remember to talk to him. But it's also important to remember to trust him with the burden. He doesn't want us to keep holding the burden. Lord, it's too heavy for me. Lord, I'm defeated. Lord, I'm depressed. Lord, I'm discouraged. But we've got to trust him to carry it. Trust him to handle it. See, Peter's advice in 1 Peter 5 and 7 was this, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And if you're listening to me this morning and you're broken, and you're tearful, and you feel I can't go on, then I want to say to you, the Lord's call is this, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So suppose mommy, daddy, daughter, or son comes in, and they're broken, and they're tearful, and they're discouraged and depressed, and they tell you, I just can't go on. I can't cope with life anymore, mommy or daddy. What would you do? Well, I tell you what I would do. I would put my arms around my son or daughter, and that very embrace would tell them something that I'm here and I love you and I care for you and to the best of my ability, I'll help you. Well, people, that's what the Lord does. He tells us not only to rehearse things, but to release, roll the burden unto him and feel the power 
power of his loving embrace, the arms of his wonderful care, to know the Lord as our helper and our supporter in time of need. And this is what the Lord does for his children, especially when life is difficult and life is falling apart and life has knocked them down. And if you're a widow listening to me or a widower or you're a broken-hearted mother or a distressed father or a son who's in turmoil because of life's situation, then I want you to remember this text. Not only the challenge of true commitment, wholeheartedness, but think about its character. What does it mean? Oh, it's dedication to a cause. But it's entrusting something valuable to someone else. And that includes activity and an attitude. And what is that attitude? What is that activity? To roll life's burdens unto the Lord. Commit your way unto the Lord. I want you to think with me for a few moments of the Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 and 9. I'll not read it to you. You're familiar with the words. Remember, he prayed. He had a problem. Thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet him. And he prayed three times, Lord, remove this from me. Lord, let this depart from me. Lord, this is hindering me in my Christian life. Lord, this is harming me. Lord, this is hurting me. I can do so much more for you. I'll be a better person, a better preacher. Lord, remove it from me. Three times he asked. And what was God's answer? Here's God's answer. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you. You see, what Paul asked was good. And we can ask God at times to remove the burden. He wants us to rehearse it and he wants to release it. But he wants us to realize something that while oftentimes we ask what's good, and it was good, the Lord said to Paul, but let me give you what is best. Let me give you something better. Here's my way for you, Paul. My grace. Wonderful, saving, special, sovereign grace for you. See, that's the character of commitment. Now let me give you one other thing. And here's really the, the heart of the message this morning. Think of the call to commitment. You see, these words, fret not, trust in, delight thyself also in the Lord, commit thy way, these are all commands. And the word commit, as I have tried to tell you, Involves and includes a personal responsibility on our part. You see, it's not just dedicated to a cause. And it not just involves rolling something valuable onto another person. There's a personal responsibility. Specific attitude. Specific activity. We must do the rolling of the burden. And I want to tell you, it's not just individual burdens. I believe it includes that, but I believe it's wider. I believe it includes the whole of our lives. You see, it's about handing our whole life over to the Lord. Lord, 
You have chosen the path for me. Lord, it's ordained. You'll direct providentially for me to walk in that path. And Lord, you've got an entire direction for me to go. And Lord, I'm given the whole of my life. I'm handing it over to you, lock, stock and barrel. Because you've called me, commit thy way unto the Lord. Do we live in a day when people expect abundant rewards for minimalistic effort? I think of some athletes who were running in the Olympic Games and sadly they were prepared to cheat to get the reward. Um, some were um, using enhancing steroids, others were taking drugs. And what were they doing? Well, they were cheating themselves. Uh, and they were caught and of course found guilty, not putting in the time. Um, having a shortcut really Shortcutting effort and discipline They were cheating their team They were cheating fellow athletes But you see there's no shortcut to this commitment It's wider than individual burdens It's to do with the whole of your life Commit thy way Thy way is the journey of life The path that God has ordained for us to walk in And there's no shortcuts here and, and this commitment, of course, involves a, a heart relationship, a heart engagement. It was Jeremiah the prophet that said this. Listen to these words in Jeremiah 30 and 21. He says, And their nobles shall be of themselves, and their governors shall proceed from the midst of them, and I will cause him to draw near, and he shall approach unto me. Listen to these words. For who is this that engaged his heart? To approach unto me, saith the Lord, and ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. Those are lovely words. Engaging his heart to approach unto the Lord. You see, that's a fresh daily commitment. A wholehearted response. The heart has been stirred. I have heard this command, this call. And what does it require? It requires my heart's engagement, my attitude and my activity of my heart. Lord, following you requires total commitment, requires sacrifice and effort. It requires blood, sweat and tears. It's not only a heart relationship, but it's a heart partnership. We work out what the Lord has worked in. It's not in our strength and power, in our ability. It's him at work in us. Now let me close this morning. We're thinking about this call to commitment. And I'm going to ask a series of questions. So we're going to challenge our heart as we finish. How committed are we to the Savior? You see, I used to assume, and I say this to my shame, that the word commitment, if I heard a preacher saying that word commitment, he was being lighthearted. I was thinking, he's been derogatory there. He's been flippant. He's not using the word saved. But I have to confess this morning, upon understanding the word from the Hebrew and the Greek a bit better, I realize that that word commitment involves a total heart relationship to the Lord, a wholehearted response to him. And how many today profess to be saved and think they have assurance of heaven and home when they die and they have prayed a prayer in the house of God or with a preacher. But their life is devoid at this minute of total commitment to him. See, the question is, do we love him? 
Are we loyal to him? Do we live for him? Remember the church of Ephesus? Revelation 2 verse 4. Guilty of something. The Lord commended them but condemned them. And the other hand, what were they guilty of? Left their first love. They, they had lost their fire for him. They no longer spent time before him. They no longer were speaking to him. They were no longer serving him. There was an absence of rendering wholehearted devotion to him. And maybe you're here this morning and that's your life. Your life is cold and formal. You know what the Lord requires? You know what the Lord desires? Paul says for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. It was Timothy that was told by the Apostle Paul in um, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. Timothy made this, or Paul made this statement to Timothy, for which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. If he has regenerated me, if he has redeemed me and rescued me and reconciled me and rewards me, not just my soul, but thinking about my body, and, and thinking about your gifts and talents and time and future entire life. What's the least you can do? What's your reasonable service? Present your body a living sacrifice to the Lord. That was the advice of Romans 12 verses 1 and 2. See some imagine. That it would be unreasonable for the Lord to want total commitment. But he does. He wants a life of total absolute surrender to him. Stud's words are true. If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. How committed are you to the scriptures? Do you know our moods can change? One day we're bright. Another day we can be dark. One day we're sad. Another day we'd be glad. Some days we could be hot. For the Lord, other days we could be cold. It does not apply especially to the scriptures. How many Bibles have we got? Do you know that the Lord has entrusted the scriptures to us? Romans 3 and 2 committed unto them the oracles of God, the speech of God, the God-breathed word. We have a, a library of 66 books in our hands, written by 40 authors, spanned over 1,500 years, and every one divinely inspired. I think of men like William Tyndale, John Wycliffe, do you know that in the 13th century, John Wycliffe was declared a heretic? His body was exhumed, and the body was burned and scattered into the river. You see, when I think of the book, I think of the price of the book. The price of the book was the blood of the martyrs, who made sure that we had a copy of the English Bible from the Hebrew and the Greek. Think of the privileges to have it. We can learn about God, Jesus Christ, sin, salvation, the gospel. How committed are we to the gospel? I think of Mary Jones, the Welsh girl, saved up her money, traveled many days uh, just to buy a copy of the Bible. Do you know that in places like India, places like Africa, they love to get a copy of John's gospel. Do you know what they do? They don't keep it to themselves. They take out the individual pages and they give it to their family and friends and they copy that page out so that they can learn it and memorize it and then hand it back and they stitch it together. See, they count it a privilege to have the word of God. Think of the power of the word. It's like a fire. It's like seed. It's like water. It's like a sword. It is power to change lives. How committed are we to the scriptures? 
How committed are we to the sanctuary, the Lord's day, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is? I'm not scolding anybody. Health at times doesn't permit you to be here. Holidays doesn't permit you to be here. But I was speaking last week to Phyllis and Hartford Arnold. And they were telling me about Matthew. And his friends, family members would have said in the Lord's day, we'll go down to the lakes of Fermanagh. We'll do this and do that on a Sunday. We're off. We're not working. And he would say, either we go on the Saturday or we're not going at all. Because if it's the Lord's day, I'm going to be in the Lord's house. And you see, I fear today that in less than a generation from when I was converted as a teenager, there's many who profess the name of Christ are not so committed to coming to church on the Lord's day. Higher lords, higher churches become whiskey bars in Northern Ireland. How have churches become nightclubs? How have they become film studios? There's one answer. A lack of commitment among the people who were there to attend. It's connected to the choice of the people. Not completely, but it's connected to the choice of the people. And you know, when we think about the sanctuary in the Lord's day, here's how we should praise the Lord. Turn over to Psalm 138. Just bear with me for a few minutes and then it'll be finished. Psalm 138. Listen to these words in verse 1. The psalmist said what? I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple. And praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Do you know that after W.P. Nicholson was converted... He started attending church, the Presbyterian church in Bangor. And in those days, the Presbyterian church, the singing was led by the choir. In fact, the choir did the singing. The congregation didn't sing. But Nicholson, he decided, I'm going to sing. And he sung his heart out as the choir sung. And of course, people were looking around at him. And he thought, here's a woman here who's well-dressed. No doubt she's a very influential person in the church. And if she looks around at me again, I'm going to do something. I'm going to say something. So when she looked at him again, as he was singing away, she looked around with her head and glared at him. One of those stares that would, you know, put you into coldness and fear. He stuck his tongue out. I'm not saying for you to stick your tongue out. But the point is this. He was there to praise and worship. He was there to worship the Lord with all his heart. And let me say this. Think of Anna. Luke 2 and 37. She was an old woman, and where was she? She was in the house of God in the Lord's day. She was going through dark and difficult times, for she'd been a, a widow seven years after she was married. She was going through dark times because there was 400 years when God was silent, didn't speak to Israel after the days of Malachi. A big trial for this woman. Old, frail, lonely. And where was she? She was in the Lord's house praising the Lord day and night with a sense of dependency. That's the commitment we need. Her time is gone. What about commitment to supplication? The prayer meeting of the church? I believe that's the true test of spirituality. Those that have the desire and want to be in the prayer meeting. 
You think of the few hours that we spend in the house of God, maybe three or four maximum in the week. And we're talking about going and spending all of, ha- all of eternity in heaven with Christ and the people of God. And we have difficulty spending a few hours in the week. We've got a problem. You see where the lack of commitment is? That's the true test, the prayer meeting. Because the prayer meeting is the powerhouse of the church. What about commitment to service? Can you say, like Isaiah, hear my Lord, send me. If you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, you're not going to hear it if you haven't done good, if you're not a faithful follower, if you're not lifting a finger to help the work of God and the cause of Christ. I say this and our time is gone, you'll forgive me. But over in Yellowstone Country Park, and I was there, they have an old geyser. You can depend on it, and it's ever faithful. It's not the biggest, it's not the hottest geezer, but it's always faithful. And how many, how many have decided before the Lord, I'm going to be like that old geezer. I'm going to be dependable and faithful so that I can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. How committed are we to salvation? Do we understand the doctrine of salvation? Do we understand what a full and free and forever justification is? Because that's the article upon which the church stands or falls. And yet many have lost sight of that message. Because that's the heart of the gospel. How committed are we to the Savior, the scriptures, the sanctuary, to supplication, to service, to salvation? Do you know a full and free and forever justification? Are you resting and trusting in Christ Is your righteousness by faith in Christ? Only you can answer. May the Lord bless you today. Thank you for coming. Because time has gone. I think the best thing to do is just to close with a wee word of prayer. And our sister Barbara can play the hymn just instrumentally as we leave. And then we'll sing it again uh, another Lord's Day. Let's just bow in prayer. Lord, take these few words, these stumbling, stammering words from this poor preacher. We think of this theme today that you've laid in my heart. We've skipped and scurried over it very quickly. Lord, come by the Holy Spirit and apply the word in such a way that souls will be saved, backsliders will be restored, and your people together in the house of God here will rise up and say, we'll be totally committed to Christ and his cause. Lord, part us now in thy fear and with thy blessing. Take us to our homes in safety. We pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of thyself, the communion of the Holy Spirit will be upon us, both now and evermore. Amen. Amen. Thank you today.